Good morning. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. We're so delighted that you're here to worship with us this morning. Um, what an awesome privilege it is to, to be with my brothers and sisters and to lift up the name of Jesus together. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, I think I know everybody, but if you don't know, my name is Kristen, and I'm on staff here. I'd like to start us this morning with our uh, memory verse, which is also the Great Commission. Hear this. It's Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of age. I don't know about you, but sometimes I would get caught up in the go, therefore, and make disciples. And I'd be like, well, hold on, wait. I'm not very eloquent. Words fail me sometimes. I don't, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like I'm like I can do this. But God says, it's okay. You're called. I will equip you. And so this first song is just a reminder of that we are nobodies. But the nobodies that we are is pointing to somebody, pointing to Jesus. And that is what we are called to do. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not whites, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody 
will save my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. Living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. Well, Moses had stage fright. And David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen. And you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear that devil start talking to me, saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just nobody, trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. And ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. So I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus Stand up with me So let me go down, down, down In history As another blood But faithful member of your family And if they all forget my name Well, that's fine by me Cause I'm living for the world to see Let me see you clap Nobody but Jesus desire that when people see us, they would not see us. They would see you. We know that we're not there yet, but God, thank you for this hope that we have. As we saw last week, God, that when you begin a transformation in us, God, you're faithful to complete it. So God, we pray as we gather together today, both here, live, in person, but also all the families that are gathering online as well, that, that Father, we would unite around you. We would lift up the name of Jesus, that through us, you would draw all men and women to yourself as people see Jesus in us. We ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen? Amen. Uh, please be seated. Well, welcome, everyone. It's so good to be with you. Mercy, it's good to be with you. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? You don't realize how important fellowship is, being together with other brothers and sisters in Christ until you have it taken away for a season. So whether you're gathering with us online or whether you're here today, we're so, so grateful 
that you are gathering together with the body of Christ. And we're just going to believe that God is going to honor that. He's going to bless you and your family for your faithfulness. Well, if you're visiting with us online, my name is Dave Mills. I'm the pastor at Olivet Community uh, Church. We're delighted and honored that you are with us here. And we just want to invite you to, um, to set aside the concerns of the world, and there are many, uh, for, for a moment and encounter the presence of Jesus Christ. We're going to believe that as he does that, as we do that, excuse me, that, that, um, that Christ will make himself real, that he'll meet our needs. And those are many. Those are many. Before we get started today, though, I want to just share with you a couple of things going on in the life of our congregation. We're going to try and do this without crashing our internet, but if you have your phone with you and you'd take that out, if you would text your name to the number you see on the screen, 812-457-9509, and if there's any way that we can pray for you in the midst of the challenges of these days, would you text that to us as well? And as we saw last week, if God is answering your prayer, if God is is responding in a way that you want to share with other people, oh, we'd love to hear that as well. Let us know what God is doing. By the way, that number is the Olivet Church number. You can call that anytime, day or night. It will probably go to message because it sits on a shelf. But Kristen and I check it on a regular basis, and we will uh, be delighted to uh, respond to your needs And and as always, you are welcome to call us on our cell phones as well. While you're doing that, let me share just a couple things going on in the life of our congregation. First of all, um, immediately following our service today, we're having our annual congregational meeting. Uh, If you happen to walk through the gym, you saw that it's set up. You can social distance in that gym as much as you would like. We will ask you to continue to wear masks in the congregational meeting. But it's an awesome time as we set apart leadership in our congregation for the coming year and also as we review the proposed budget for, um, for next year. So if you're able to stay, whether you're a member or just a visitor or friend, I think that it'll help you see a bigger picture of what God is doing through Olivet Community Church. So that's immediately following our service, and we hope that you can join us then. Today also we're going to be sharing together in communion, and, and it's challenging for us um, here in the room to do that in a social distance way. And, and so what we've chosen to do is to make available to you uh, these cups. I just wanted to mention something about them. There is the juice in the cup. It looks like it's just a cup with juice, but actually the first layer of that cup is the bread. And so when we take communion later, as you peel back the first layer, you'll see the bread. We'll partake of that together. And then in the middle of our song at the end, we'll, we'll partake of the juice together. Is there anyone, um, while Christy is up there, is there anybody that did not get one when they came in that needs one? Everybody good? Super. Those of you at home, we invite you to join us in communion. Just to set apart juice and, and a cracker or some bread. Set it apart now, if you would, as I finish the announcements, so that when we come to that portion of our service, you're able to join us as well. I'm so grateful that God is not bound by time or space, and uh, he looks on the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And though about the last thing in the world I want to do is have communion out of a a little prepackaged cup, it's much more important, as we'll see in our service, that we respond to God in obedience and join with myriad saints throughout the world who today are celebrating the Lord's Supper together. 
The only requirement um, that the Lord has is that we have faith in Jesus Christ. Of course, that would be critical. Uh, but he also asks us to examine our hearts. Uh, and, and he doesn't do that in a critical way. There's not one of us that is without sin. There's not one of us who's worthy of coming and partaking of this meal together. Our worthiness doesn't come from our own actions. It comes from the actions of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so when he says examine yourself, it's just really to see yourself as, as you really are in desperate need of a Savior. So that when you by faith remember Jesus in the bread, you remember what he did for you on the cross. When you by faith remember that his blood cleanses us from our sin, then we're fully able to receive that gift of grace together. So let's use this entire worship service to prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table this week. Again, I want to invite you, if you have your phone with you, or if you have a, if you have a printout of the bulletin, uh, invite you to think again about that memory verse. That's a critical aspect of what we're doing here. Um, would you turn to Matthew 28 in your Bibles or on your phone? Or uh, if you have a bulletin, it's printed for you on the inside of that bulletin. But let's remember, it's going to be a little awkward for me because I memorized in a different version of the Bible, but let's remember that today. Would you say uh, our memory verse together? Have you got it? Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you say the verse with me? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We've discovered together that our purpose is to glorify God. Amen. One of the ways that we do that one of the ways we do that is by unimaginable discipleship, by expressing God's kingdom, by pouring our lives into other people. And I'm going to suggest to you from our passage last week and this week that um, God surprises us with the people that he asks us to disciple. He surprises us with the people that he asks us to pour our lives into he surprises us with the, the kingdom that he wants to build. Would you stand with us as we worship this God together?
we have been crying out to you may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and father we confess like like the world around us our attention is drawn from you the one who formed us you the one who created us you the one who made us and whose sovereign purposes are being worked out through us and we become so distracted Lord by the things around us oh God it's it's hard for me to say, but I thank you. I thank you that you have drawn our attention back to you. You've taken us beyond the abilities, even in this incredible age in which we live, to even protect ourselves, much less solve our problems. Father, you have revealed to us our true nature. And, and, and Father, we repent in dust and ashes. But I thank you, God, that that though you bring us to our knees, you always lift up our eyes. You always call us to refocus on what is eternal, on what never changes, on what is a rock and a foundation, no matter what circumstances swirl around us. 
God, I praise you that you draw our attention back to you. God, as we gather for worship here in this place and throughout the city and, and even the country, God, online, we, we worship you. And we, and we cry out, God, build your kingdom in us. God, may, may the words that we pray be fulfilled in our lifetime. And God, we humble ourselves before you and invite you to glorify yourself through us. God, I thank you that even when we are helpless, you are not. Even when we don't know what to say, you give us words to pray. And so together with myriad saints throughout the ages, we offer to you the prayer which your son Jesus taught us, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, please be seated. Now let's just take a few moments and seek his face. Can we do that together? As we, as we seek your face.
Now, if you'd open the Word of God, whether you have that in a Bible form in front of you or, or a phone, um, would you open up to our passage for today? A couple of passages, actually. Last week, we saw an amazing transformation of one of the least likely people that you or I could ever imagine, certainly that the people of his day could imagine. God got hold of Saul's life. And, and redirected it in such a way that every single one of us has been touched as a result. And, and certainly we know that God has that power. Amen. God can touch anyone. There's no one you ever lay eyes on who's beyond the reach. That's where we ended up last week, right? Beyond the reach of God's powerful influence, right? But what I wanted you to see today is the amazing the unimaginable influence of a disciple on someone else's life. I want to invite you as we close this unimaginable series to, to grasp what impact your life can have on someone else. To do that, we're going to continue the story right where we left off. We're in the book of Acts in the New Testament now. So you have the Gospels, and then you have Acts history of the early church, we're in still Acts chapter 9, and just following the amazing story of, of Saul's transformation comes uh, this, this passage about this man named Ananias. It, we pick up the story around verse 10, verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus, named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. That seems so obvious, doesn't it? But remember, remember, God had done the same thing to Saul just, just a few hours before. He'd called him by name. How do you remember Isaiah 43? When God says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And you are mine, right? God calls Saul by name, and now he calls one of his followers, a disciple named Ananias by name. And the Lord said to him, Ananias, and Ananias said, Here I am, Lord. What a contrast that was to Saul just 
a few hours before. Who are you, right? Saul, a very religious person, didn't recognize the voice of Jesus speaking to him. But Ananias, when, when his name is called, Ananias says, here I am, Lord, right? Many of us remember Isaiah saying that, right? Here I am, Lord, send me, right? And the Lord said to Ananias, rise and go to the street called Straight. So fascinating that there still is that street called Straight in Damascus to this day. By the way, it's a mall. It's a shopping mall. It's such a narrow street that they just made it into a mall. And that very same street is there today in old Damascus. Rise and go to a street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus, the city that, that, that Saul came from, named Saul. For, for behold, surprise, right? Looky there. Behold, Saul is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And as we saw last week, Ananias responded, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem and how he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Uh, um, A euphemism for who pray to you, Jesus. But the Lord said to him, go, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered that house of Judas on the street called Straight, and laying his hands on him, look at this, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God, the very Word of God. Mm. Let's say that together. Thanks be to God. Turn with me now. Keep your finger there because that's where we're going to live today. But turn with me over to Acts 22. Right? Over to Acts 22. Because in Acts 22, it's one of the three times, as we saw last week, that Saul gives his testimony. And, And in Saul's testimony, he speaks of this very incident. Beginning in verse 12 of Acts 22, Saul is speaking and he says, and and one Ananias, whose name, by the way, means God has heard, right? Uh, Saul, interestingly enough, the Hebrew for Saul means I cried to God and Saul is answered by a man named Ananias who says God 
whose name means God has heard, right? Saul, speaking of Ananias, calls him a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. He came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, Ananias said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will. So we're getting more information now from Saul as he recounts what happened to him firsthand. The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him for everyone you have seen and heard. Wow. Wow, may God bless to our understanding this, his holy word. Well, what is it that would make you go and and bless the very person who sought to do you harm, right? What is it? Now, are you you like me? I mean, we we love Jesus, amen? And and we want to follow him. We want to as we'll see, be like him. But there's still a war raging on, right? We still live in this world. And and though my heart has been given to Jesus, I still struggle sometimes with with forming human opinions about people, right? And and it's pretty easy for me to do. I'm sorry to say that. I would love to say after 40 years of following Jesus, I'm beyond that, right? I find so much comfort from the Apostle Paul years later speaking of himself, saying in Acts, excuse me, in Romans chapter 7, you know, I still struggle. There's a war going on inside me. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And, and, and he mentions in 2 Corinthians, one of those things was judging people according to the flesh, judging people according to the, the way they are right now. And I would love to be able to tell you that, that I have grown beyond that, right? But I've shared with you before, I'm so vulnerable to that. All you have to do is cut in front of me in traffic, and, and I'll form an instant opinion about you. And if I'm alone in the car, I may verbalize that opinion to you. If I'm not alone in the car, I probably will still think it, right? Um, oh, it's such a struggle. Such a struggle. And, and, and so, so I, I recognize what, what was happening in Ananias' life because it happens in, in my life. What would make me go to someone who, who hurt me or someone who caused me pain or, or worse than that, messed with my wife? children, right? What would make me want to go and bless that very person? I know all the scriptures that you're thinking in your mind right now, right? I know that's what we're supposed to do, but I have this remarkable ability to know what I'm supposed to do and to do the exact opposite, right? I have this remarkable ability to live somehow in in that bifurcation between between what I believe and, and what I do. What I love about discipleship is that it helps us to little by little become more and more like Jesus. And it's a statement about Ananias. First of all, that they call him a disciple, so he is identified 
He is identified as a follower of Jesus, but especially that he would go, right? He would go and bless this very man who sought him, who was looking for him. And so, so we ask ourselves, what is it about a follower of Jesus that would enable them to do that? What is it about a disciple? Let me just remind you again, um, some of you are, are just beginning your journey of faith, and many of you have been on it for a long time. But there are several, there's several understandings of what a disciple is. Two of them come to us from the Greek translations of the New Testament. One of them comes from the Hebrew and the Old Testament. But it is first and foremost simply a follower, simply a follower. So when Jesus said to um, strangers, people like Matthew, tax collectors, people that were despised by other people, even when he speaks to like rich young rulers, uh, he, he said, come and follow me. He was saying, come, be my disciple, right? And so I, I find so much hope from that because at, at the beginning of this journey, I can just say, I don't, I don't understand everything, Jesus but I can follow you, right? I follow hundreds of people on Facebook, right? I I can follow you, Jesus. But then there's another word used in the New Testament for disciple that that takes us a little bit deeper, and I love it, that it's it's not either or, it is both and. A, A disciple is a follower of Jesus, but then we learn also that in this other word, a follower is also a learner. In other words, someone who learns from Jesus, right? And, and we have to believe that, that Ananias had, had learned a new obedience from following after Jesus. So much so that, that when God spoke to him, I mean, seriously, if that had happened to you, if all of a sudden you had this vision and God said, I want you to go to the person you're most afraid of and bless them, right? I want you to go lay hands on them and actually give them the thing that will allow them to search you out and find you possibly imprison you and put you to death, we would, um, we would probably say, um, that was the pizza I ate last night. That cannot be God. And I have to tell you that at different times in my life, um, uh, I've sensed God speaking to me, sometimes a couple times right here while I was speaking to you. And I always have to test what I'm hearing. Is that of God? What is it that enables us to know whether that inclination that we're feeling uh, is, is of God or not. We'll, we'll go deep into that in just a moment. But let me, let me just say off the bat that it comes from practice, from recognizing the voice. When I shaved my head, did you know it was me? Right? Did you know it was me? Um, if you could see my eyes, you would know it was me. But probably the thing that enabled you, whether you're online or whether you are, were here in person, especially with a mask on, was my voice, right? You recognize my voice. And, and Ananias recognized Jesus' voice speaking to him. So what is a disciple? It's a follower. It's someone who learns, who has learned to recognize the voice of God, right? But then as we learn in the Old Testament, a follower is one who wants to be like, let me say that differently, one who is becoming like their master. Sarah and I were talking about this, being a disciple, but also becoming like your master, right? Becoming 
like Jesus. So, so here are two people on that journey, one just hours into it, Saul, and another one farther down the road, Ananias, and, and their goal is to follow and to learn and to become like Jesus. So what does what then a disciple do? What does a disciple do? Well, I want to draw directly from our story today, but I also want to remind you of one of our memory verses from a few, a couple of months ago, a few short weeks ago, in Acts 2.42. And it's speaking about the disciples in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended. So Jesus was with them for 40 days, just as we saw Saul was with the disciples there in Damascus. Jesus was with his disciples in Jerusalem for 40 days, and then he left, right? And, and the first question was, what do we do now that Jesus is no longer physically present with them, right? And, and they prayed. And, and in 10 days, God gave them the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the word of God and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, meaning both both table fellowship, but also table fellowship, like we're going to share today, and to prayer, right? How does that flesh out here? In Ananias, let's use Ananias as a as a case study, as it were, of, of a disciple fleshing these things out. First of all, he he listens to God, right? He listens to God. Now he didn't read it in a page, so the New Testament had not been written yet, right? Um, but he actually heard the voice of God telling him what to do. And the primary way that God speaks to His people is through his word, right? Through his word. By the way, if you're about to get weirded out by my saying, you you mean we could actually have a vision and God could speak to us? He could lead us by his Holy Spirit? I'm going to say yes. He can and does. That's pretty spooky, isn't it? Because we've all met people who we said, that's not what I understand God to be saying, right? People who claim to be hearing the word of God. How do, how do we test that? We always can test that. God will never speak something to you contrary to his word. And so we are uniquely blessed. We, sitting in this room, we watching on TV here today, are uniquely blessed because we have so much more than Ananias had. We had so much more. We have the word of God. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to hear the voice of God. I just charge you, followers, learners, people who want to be like Jesus, I charge you, listen to his word. I say that um, I'm, I'm one who does better reading, but I know many people who do better listening, hearing it. All those things are available to you. Listen to God's word. Listen for his voice. But Ananias not only listened, I love this about God, and I love this about Ananias. He not only listened to God's word, but he talked to God, right? And thinking back to the Acts 2.42, prayer is a critical 
part of this. And look how he talks to God. He talks to God as a man speaks to a friend, kind of echoing Moses, right? Identification. He says, God, do you not know who this guy is, right? And, and, and isn't it beautiful that God didn't hit him with a lightning bolt when he said that, right? Isn't it beautiful that, that God loves him, wants to talk with him? What I'm trying to say is that, is that the relationship with God is a two-way street, right? He cares about the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And something beautiful happens when you verbalize that, when you actually speak to him and, and talk to him, especially when you don't understand what God is doing. Does anybody really understand what God is doing in our culture right now, right? I don't, but God has given me and he has given you the ability to cry out to him and to say, God, what are you doing, right? What are you doing? I trust you, God. I believe you. This is not a faithless statement. This is, this is a soul crying out to understand. I think God celebrates that. I think he celebrates that. Even for those who have not yet even been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, when they cry out, God, if you exist out there, help me understand, right? You seek the truth, you will find it, right? So, so, so it's beautiful that Ananias is able to say to God, God, do you not know who this man is? He listens for God's voice. He's not afraid to speak with God. God, not to God, with God, right? But then a disciple especially does what God says. Even, even if it could ultimately lead to your death. Right? Let's, let's be real for a moment, right? Um, the trajectory of, of the world is one uh, toward suffering for followers of Jesus. Um, We've read the back of a book, right? We know that ultimately Christ wins the victory. But he never promised that there would not be struggle in between. He never promised that there would not be pain. He He never said that there would not be persecution. In fact, he said the opposite. In this world, you will have tribulation, right? You will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, so God never said that we wouldn't face these things. He challenged us to trust him and to respond to his word in the midst of it. And in this particular case, for Ananias, it meant going to that street called Straight, going to a house of a person named Judas. It was not the Judas, another person named Judas, and, and entering there, laying hands on the very person who sought your, your uh, imprisonment, at least possible death, and blessing that person, right? It means doing what God says. Well, what does that mean for you and, and me, right? Um, it, God, I believe, is still moving Sarah, your call might be unique from mine, and, and God will lead you to do things that he doesn't lead me to do. Jennifer, Randy, that'll be the same for you guys. God, your path will be slightly different than mine, but there are some universal things for us that transcend our, our individual calls, right? 
There's a commission that God gives all of us that transcends those initial, those individual expressions of it, right? And it's the same for each one of us. And what is that? That's our memory verse for today, right? Just as, as the Lord said to Ananias, go to a street called Straight, God, Jesus has said to you and to me, in your going, make followers, learners, men and women who are like Jesus. And he even tells us how to do that, right? By, by immersing them in the fellowship, in the communion and the nature and character of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? He tells us how to make disciples, immerse them, signify it by water baptism, but the baptism is only a symbol of the immersion into the community of the Trinity, right? And then he says, teach them. And and we are a culture that likes to learn more things, right? But he doesn't say teach them for more knowledge. He says teach them to obey. In other words, it's so much more important to just put into practice what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do now than it is to have a wealth of knowledge about what people should do, right? So he challenges us. Make disciples. In all of that, we express that with the expression, make disciples who make disciples, right? The reason we do that is because, because it's, it's easy to call everything we do discipleship. But if disciples aren't the product of what we're doing, are we really fulfilling God's purpose for us? You see, we're just like Ananias, right? God is speaking. He's not silent. He's speaking, and he's asking for us to respond in obedience, and what he is asking us to do is to seek out those he has already prepared to receive him, to make disciples. Now, I said that, and it sounds like a new twist. Where'd you get this already prepared? Look at Saul. God, God was already working in Saul's life, right? Psychologists have had a field day with this, by the way. They go all the way back to the martyrdom of Stephen and where Saul had to sit there and watch people die as a result of his actions. But, but God had been preparing him physically, emotionally, and spiritually for this very moment. And God could have snapped his fingers and Saul would have been a follower of him and, and he wouldn't have needed anybody else. But God doesn't work that way. Beloved, God made you and he made me to need one another, Right? They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Why? Because then when God speaks to one of you about what to speak into my life, we're in community, we're in relationship already. When God calls one of you, I'm looking at Alex back there, calls one of you to go and, and, and pour your life out for students who don't yet know Jesus, then, then Alex has, has the foundation of fellowship of believers. We're going to help him do that. His call is no different than yours. It'll express itself maybe in a different place. But our call together is to fulfill the Great Commission, to experience and, and then propagate unimaginable discipleship. 
I just want to make one point at the end here, and, and that's just the unexpected place, the unexpected person that, that God led Ananias to disciple. And don't ever discount someone. In fact, if you see somebody railing against the faith, if you see somebody persecuting, it's very possible that the reason they're so animated is because they're so close to believing, right? They're fighting with every human effort to resist what God is already doing in their lives. Beloved, all around you are people God has prepared to receive him. But he chose you to be his instrument in bringing that person to Jesus. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you're the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we don't have to fear the future because you're sovereign over it. You've already prepared people for us to bless. Open our eyes, would you, God? Open our hearts to, to understand and recognize your will for our life. And then, and then, God, I just pray that you would help us, help us to build our lives upon the rock that is Jesus. Help us to stand so firmly in the midst of the raging cultural wars around us, to stand so firmly upon the rock that is Jesus, that nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth can dissuade us from his holy purpose. And God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and I just really want to invite you to go deep. Many of you in the next hour will join your brothers and sisters um, as you open God's word. I say that, and I forgot we're having the congregational meeting right after this, so many of you will not. But I invite you to go deep into God's word and, and test it and see if the things that you've heard today are not true and, and uh, respond in obedience to what God has said. One of the ways that we do that is, is by remembering Jesus at the Lord's table. And again, this feels so strange for me to do this with a little prepackaged plastic cup. But those of you online, I invite you to gather the juice and gather the bread and, and prepare to join us. But those of you here, I invite you to take the cup which is before you and let's, let's practice Acts 2.42 together. We, we have devoted ourselves this morning to God's word and we've devoted ourselves. Many of you have overcome incredible obstacles to even be here, right? We've devoted ourselves to the fellowship We've devoted ourselves to prayer for those who need God's intervention and especially for those who don't yet know him. Now let's devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body 
given for you. Take off that top layer. Take out the wafer of wood. Do this in remembrance of Jesus, thank you that you lived the life that we could not live. That you fulfilled the call of your heavenly Father on each of us in your body. And God, I thank you that you honored his obedience by raising him from the dead. We remember you in this, your body. It struck me, but the very person who Ananias was blessing that day spoke these words. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink all of this, all of you. This is for the remission of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of I'll thank you for the blood of Christ, which cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we can live now in freedom, knowing that you have overcome even the sin which so easily besets us. Jesus, thank you that you have given our lives meaning and purpose. And we can build our lives upon that rock. We can build our lives You are worthy, Jesus, of our worship. Jesus, the name above everything. 
last weeks it's that um, a lot of the things that we built our life on are not worthy of building our lives on right things that we thought were such foundations such solid rocks right these will never change they changed in a heartbeat right everything we thought we understood and knew changed overnight that's why I find so much hope in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ he has given us something that transcends the circumstances around us. He has given us a foundation which can never fail. He has given us a cornerstone, a rock upon which we can build our lives. So, so I ask you, what will you do, beloved? What will you do? Will you build your life on the circumstances of the culture around us? Or will you build them on the apostles' teaching Will you build them on the communion of the saints? Will you build it on the blood and body of Jesus Christ? Will you build it on God's insatiable desire to talk with you and to walk with you and to tell you how precious you are in his sight? Let's build our lives on him, shall we? I will build my life upon Yeah. 
could have foreseen the circumstances we find ourselves in. But I want to challenge you to, to dream, to vision what it might be like if we did what Jesus asked us to do. If we made disciples who made disciples. Think what that would be like two years from now. Think what that would be like five years from now should the Lord tarry. Oh my goodness. God has entrusted to you his most holy purpose. God has trusted to you unimaginable discipleship. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father, fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for just a moment. In just a moment, beginning with those of you in the back, our ushers will allow you to be dismissed. Um, those of you who are staying for the congregational meeting, you'll make your way right into the gym. Those of you online, God bless you richly as you enjoy this Lord's Day, as you enjoy this Sabbath together. Amen. Oh, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Thank you. 